And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with the second installment of our four-part series about e-commerce. Today... We're going to talk about one of my least favorite subjects when it comes to business, but probably the most important part of your business, and that's accounting. That's right, people. So I want you to take your right hand, and I want you to slap yourself and wake up and pay attention a little bit, because I got to say, after 20 years of experience in and around business as a business owner, this is something that many people leave off to the side. I'm going to share a couple funny stories of tough lessons that I've learned. Now, I mentioned four-part series. So you've probably already listened to the history and evolution of e-commerce, which was episode one. This is part two of a four-part series. So if you want to stay sequential, go back and find the episode titled The History and Evolution of E-Commerce. We have future episodes planned of organizing your e-commerce inventory, which in some ways is a is a uh, <clears throat> related to accounting. And then we wrap it up with leadership skills for e-commerce teams. So make sure you catch all, all four parts of the series, which are all sponsored by Clarinity. Now, Clarinity solves the most complex problems in e-commerce through cloud-based inventory management and operations optimization. And that's part of why they're sponsoring this series because they offer a lot of solutions for things that might not be what you do or how you do it. And look, if you're starting a new business, especially you're going to run into a whole lot of stuff that you probably haven't done in the past and you're probably not great at it's okay to ask for help so with me today i've got Brittany brown and Brittany's the founder and ceo of ledger gurus you can learn more about them by going to ledgergurus.com from american fork utah which i have no idea where that is so i'd, I'd like to know uh let's welcome Brittany brown welcome to startup hustle thank you matt i appreciate that and in answer to your question american fork is just about 30 minutes south of Salt Lake. So we're basically part of ah. the greater Salt Lake area. I got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I, I spent some time out in Colorado, so I wasn't a stranger to Utah, but definitely I think Salt Lake might be about that and Provo, all I can name. Now at your business, Ledger Gurus, you work with a lot of small businesses to help them increase their revenues and profits, track different stuff. And you do everything from bookkeeping, payroll, invoicing, bill payment, budgeting, cash flow planning, taxes, and all that stuff. Um, but what I'd like to hear is a little bit more of your backstory. Uh, and, you know, like, well, in this case, and, and now look, I'm not an accountant, and I should probably disclaim that before we talk about it. And there's a big difference. This is a, a field of expertise that requires certification and education, not just experience. So if you could give us a little background about that, and maybe what some of your specialties are, and then we'll start talking about accounting. 
Yeah, sure. So I also want to just like confirm this belief that you have that I agree with. That is that the accounting is so, so important for business owners to understand. And it's like so typically something that they want to just like fall over and snore through. But really, like it's it's one of the most valuable things business owners can utilize as a tool for their business is like a solid understanding of why they're making money, not making money, and to be able to really like decipher all of that. So I got my um, bachelor's and master's in accounting from Brigham Young University, which is in Provo, the other city you know of here. Incidentally, American Fork is right in between Salt Lake and Provo. Um, that's kind of where it's at, right in the middle of those two places. And then I worked for some public accounting firms after graduation. I worked for KPMG and I worked for a company called Squire. And then I became a CFO for a construction company, um, a multi-million dollar construction company for several years. And then I started my own firm. Um, I started my own firm right as the world was moving to the cloud and suddenly accounting was looking just completely different than it had in the past. Um, there's very few ways for accounting to be transformed. It's a very um, like mundane, methodical way of life, but around the time I graduated from school, accounting really did experience a major transformation. And that transformation was that um, accounting became a very outsourced thing and the entire world moved to the cloud, which happened um, right as shopping was moving to the cloud as well. So there was this great alignment with the e-commerce space. And it's part of the reason why um, we, we became an e-commerce focused firm as part of, um, as part of our focus was because it E-commerce businesses um, matched our model so well. So I am a CPA and I have a lot of experience with um, all, all things financials. I mean, a long history of that. I realize that makes me like the queen of the nerds, but um, I do also have a real belief of how much it helps business owners to understand financials. So this part, what I at this point, what I really am is passionate about business. And I understand that accounting is the best way to decipher and understand the language of what's happening there. You know, we got into this in episode one and talking about the history and evolution of e-commerce. And, you know, for a lot of people, especially a younger generation, it's all you know. And uh, now for me, I'm 45 years old and I don't mind putting that date stamp on there because when I was a kid, you buy something out of a catalog and it would say six to eight weeks, weeks for delivery. And there was all these different variables. You pay shipping and handling and all this weird stuff. And, you know, uh, uh, the last 20 years is is really e-commerce. That's right. the it, pretty much the entire timeline. And the first 10 of those 20 years was not highly evolved. Part of what we talked about in episode one and that Wild West feeling about so many different things going on. And, you know, everything from people's insecurity about putting a credit card phone number into something on the Internet to now buying whatever you want with a swipe of a finger and, and maybe even arriving that same day. Now, one of the things that has definitely not kept up or is in kind of a state of forced evolution is related to accounting and tax and different stuff because our tax laws and the way business was set up, like people were generally doing business with each other right there in the store. Or, and then so you have local tax and all this other stuff. Now, you mentioned being from Utah. I'm in Kansas City where we have an invisible line that runs through the middle of our city. And it says that on the left side of it, you're in Kansas. And then the right side of it, you're in Missouri. Now you don't ever see the line, but you know, it's there. And with that, I've gotten used to having two different sets of like taxes and different stuff like that. Now, 
Um, and we're, you know, we're going to get into some of that in the episode, but I mean, I think for, you know, as e-commerce evolves, like you need to, if you sell a product, you, if you're not, if you're not already wrapping your arms around the e-commerce stuff, you need to get moving because it's going to be problematic for you. But I think a great place for us to start is literally that getting started. So let's just, let's, and we don't have to sit there too long, but you know, what are some of the things or give us some input and insight. Right, so here I am, I'll be, I'll be the e-commerce owner. I want to start, I'm ready. I got a project. I sell widgets because that's the most generic thing that business school ever taught us. Right. But right. so widget, widgets for Acme Corp. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You've, you've worked on those books, haven't you? Yeah. Sorry. So Ac Acme Corp is ready to sell widgets online, but I'm not really sure what I need to do. What, how do you advise me when it comes to getting started? Yeah. And to your, to your point about the fact that the, as e-commerce has evolved, there are some areas that haven't evolved with it. And I would say accountants are not well known for their adaptability or their like savvy technical skills or their, you know, being on the cutting line of where things are going. And so accounting and the options that have been available for e-commerce sellers have definitely been lacking. And so um, as far as getting started goes, like the the things I, I would I want our young e-commerce sellers to tackle when they're first getting going is very different than the things that I think they should be tackling when they hit about half a million dollars in revenue is different than the things I think they should be tackling in a million dollars, $8 million, $20 million as they grow. So one of the biggest things we see is that e-commerce sellers, when they first get going, like the most important thing from my view for them to be doing is figuring out how to generate sales for their business, right? So like, Accounting at that point, they need to be keeping it simple and they need to be keeping it non-time consuming, but they need to be setting the foundational blocks in place. So some of the things they need to be doing at that point is for sure, like implementing an, an accounting tool of some kind, um, whether it's Xero, whether, it quick, whether it's QuickBooks Online. Uh, our preference is QuickBooks Online, but Xero is another really good tool. And um, there's some other tools in the space, but those are the two that I think are the best like getting your QuickBooks set up, syncing your bank accounts, like starting to watch the data flow through. Um, another thing that I really recommend is that you start to wrap your head around what I call your product product cost catalog. So what we see a lot of times is that companies get going and they won't even think about the accounting and it'll be a total afterthought to them. And then um, they'll, they have to really scramble to try to catch up um, what's flowing through their business with as e-commerce businesses that really figure out early on how to market effectively go from like zero to a million dollars so fast that if they completely shelf the financial side of everything, then it completely gets away from them. And instead of being able to mature their accounting as they go, instead they're now scrambling and then they have a really hard time getting back in touch with it. So initially like just get it going, like set up your QuickBooks, um, get things synced. I recommend just doing things on a cash basis for the first little while. And what I mean by that is just like just record things as it passes through your bank accounts. That's fine. That's not what I recommend for when you get bigger. And we'll talk about that more in depth as we go on. But like, it's a, it's a just fine place as a starting point is just recording transactions that they move through your bank account credit cards and starting to really keep track of like what it costs you to buy your SKUs, because that's going to become a really important discussion as you start to really try and attract cost of goods sold and inventory later on. Um, it can be really hard to get ahead of that. If you've, like keep all your bills, keep all your invoices, keep all of your purchase orders so that you know what you paid for each of the SKUs that you're buying. 
also like the sales. So, so on, on, oh, on some of that, well, well, on some of that, I, I've got some notes for that that go down the road now. And I'm sorry to, to interject here, but I, there's, there's something that I really want to lay in here that I think is truly important because, all right. So I, in my book, million dollar bedroom, I talk about our e-commerce business that we had started, which at one point I literally had to shut down for two weeks because we had made a ball of rubber bands accounting wise. And like you mentioned, you can go from zero to a million dollars in a hurry. And then, the, then here's the thing is then you're busy, you're spinning other plates, you're trying to do other things. And it becomes very easy to put more balls on the rubber band and, and, and just keep, you know, like you, the bigger, the, the bigger, the knot and the bigger, the stuff you have to untangle. And sometimes people are like, I can't afford it right now. Well, you're going to pay for it later anyway. There's no way around it. You're going to run into it. And there is nothing like the, one of the most painful moments was having my business that was growing so rapidly, literally have to come to a screeching halt because that was really the only way. Because, And I'll tell you why. It's because we were buying and selling things at such a fast clip that it just started to catch up with itself. So now when I say stop the business, we had to still sell stuff but we had to quit buying it and, and doing a lot of different things because we were just losing complete and utter control over the whole process. And, and a lot of it had to do with asset management, which we're going to talk about in the next part of the series. But, but like you said, now, now it also in Congress with what you said, um, if you aren't making any sales or transactions, you don't have a whole lot to account for. Right. So, you know, and, and that's, that, uh, goes back to that. So there's this old, uh, 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 fable or, or whatever you want to call it. It's about a shopkeeper that is so busy cleaning the store. He never finds time to open it. You don't want to be that person either. And it is understandable. Look, if you can sell everything in the store and then, and then, and then take a step back and count all of it up. Okay. You can do that too. Just don't make that every day. I mean, is that, is that a, is that a fair way of saying that? Yeah. And well, I would say that like, as you, as you begin to grow, there are ways of doing your accounting that are more complex that add a lot better value to the information that you're getting, but learning those and implementing those are time consuming. And they're not the right thing for you to be spending your time on when you're trying to figure out how to build yourselves, like let the momentum match the accounting. Basically, initially just put the system in place, just track things as they pass through your bank accounts, credit cards. And then as, as, as the data as the accounting data starts to become more valuable because you're starting to use it to really want to make decisions, at that point, you can then dig into the more mature, more effective, more visible ways of doing, of tracking the data and information, but initially just get it started. Yeah, and that's actually, so this episode sponsored Clear Entity. This is part of what their service offering is. And, and this is a good thing because, you know, look, uh, all right. Uh, you you were throwing out CPA, SKU. Like it was funny because I didn't even know what SKU. Everyone, but anyone who's worked at a store has heard SKU, SKU. And it was a few years ago. I was like, what does that even mean? It stands for stock keeping unit. And it's funny because most people don't know that. I didn't either. And I looked it up and I was like, but that, you know, there's just some little basic things. And and look, you're gonna feel if you feel like you're in over your head, that's where consultants and third-party vendors and companies like Clarinity uh, are there to help you. And it's okay to ask for help. I think that that's something as I've gotten older as an entrepreneur and more experienced, I've become better at is like, 
I don't know how to do all this and I don't want to do all of it. So how are we going to do out of it? Now, one of the things you talked about growing quickly, uh, there's, you know, people say you can go out of business or you can grow out of business. And those are, those happen. Those are both for two different reasons that, I mean, going out of business could be a lack of selling stuff and growing out of business. And these are some challenges I've run into with my current business full scale. Cause we had 200 employees two years into it. And, and in two different countries, and you just start looking at like all this different crazy stuff that you have to deal with. And we're like, Oh, my God, you know what, how are we going to keep up with it? How are we going to deal with any of this? Now, um, we talked about technology, I think that as as you grow, like set yourself up for like, link it, connect it, you know, we're in an integrated world of technology. And you mentioned that that technology isn't always uh, accountants number one friend but it is it you know, should be like, though if yeah. you're if you're an accountant if you're an e-commerce business that's like one of the primary things you should be looking for in an accountant is that they technology is their best friend like that's one of the the primary differentiators between an, an accountant that will serve your space well and an accountant that won't is if they are afraid of the technology for example if they're telling you you need to be on quickbooks desktop they have no idea what they're talking about if they don't know how to log into your channels, if they don't know how to log into Shopify, they don't know how to log into Amazon, they don't know how to pull in backend reports, they don't know how to do that sort of stuff. If they're afraid of the channels that you're using and they can't speak intelligently to those, they're probably not the right solution for you because you're in a fast-paced market when, where things change constantly all the time. And accountants are not typically uh, well like versed in that space. But if you're an e-commerce business, you really need to be, well, either doing it yourself or partnering with somebody who actually is not afraid of the technology that you need to be using. And, you know, that stuff's gotten so plug and play over the last few right. years, especially like it's I mean, and I'm the founder of gigabook.com. And I remember when we tried to build our first QuickBooks integration and I was swearing, I was like, I'm never using this again. And now it's super easy. And, and a lot of that stuff, the connectivity of, of tools in general has become a lot more straightforward. Now, that said, some people are still scared of it. Um, so that's where you find, get some help. Uh, now the reason that that makes sense is saving money is making money. And you mentioned like, Hey, if you have someone that's saying, don't use this, don't use that, then you're probably going to be paying someone to type stuff in by right. hand oh. that, that, that doesn't need to be done like that. And I yeah. mentioned having to creating a ball of rubber bands and having to kind of unwind it and figure stuff out with a, with a prior business. The only thing that made that manageable was that everything we had done had actually been recorded and tracked. So like all of our purchases were on a credit card somewhere, right. you know, and different stuff. Now that said, we had to kind of figure out how to get that stuff matching. And right. um, look, if, you, if you're buying and selling something, you know, purchase orders and, and, and invoices and stuff like that need to need to match. Now, in our case, we had a digital product. We, we sold event tickets which was a challenge because if you forget to download eight tickets that are a PDF, that could be a thousand dollars that just left. Like you forgot about it. And we found a couple things related to that. So you got to learn how to trust your stuff in that regard. Now, you, now let's talk about expenses. Cause, uh, I, I think that as you're, as you're getting started and you're growing, like, you know, uh, all right. So I never bought things with cash. 
because I had to grab a receipt, I had to get a receipt and I had to do a lot of different stuff. I think there was just a, and by the way, I actually enjoyed the rewards that I got from the cards, which got quite substantial over the years. But um, as far as tracking expenses, I think a lot of people aren't that great at it. Uh, what's a good place to start? Uh, yeah. So first of all, the, obviously everything should always be digital. Do not like try to stay away from like writing checks. For example, in this day and age, expenses need to be running through um, digital means like your credit cards. Um, actually when it comes to tracking expenses, this is one thing that I think, um, is, is along the line of the maturity of an e-commerce business and the way that they're tackling financials. Because one thing that is unique about e-commerce businesses that I think is important for e-commerce businesses to understand is that as opposed to regular businesses where all of their expenses and everything is passing through their bank accounts, in e-commerce businesses, a significant amount of all of their activity is actually passing through the channel and all they're seeing deposit into their bank account is the summary of all of the activity of those channels. So a significant amount of the most important expenses of your business are actually passing through your channels in the forms of like merchant service fees and um, refunds, chargebacks. Um, if you're selling on Amazon, you know, like a huge amount of your fulfillment, your shipping, all of your costs associated with that are all passing through your channel and all you're seeing at your bank account is like one summary deposit of like all of your activity for two weeks that Amazon just shifts over. And so one of the most important things for e-commerce businesses to do as they start to mature is to no longer rely on the deposit as a default way to recognize revenue and instead be able to take the deposits that are coming from their, from their sales channels and break it out according to what's actually happening. Because if you have if you have Amazon that's depositing into your bank account every two weeks and that one Amazon deposit is reflective of everything from your warehousing and your shipping and your fulfillment and everything that you're doing on Amazon, including your advertising and all of the things that are passing through that and all you're looking at is that one deposit that came through Amazon and calling it income, not only is your income completely off, but you're missing so much information that's so valuable and vital for you running your businesses. Um, at a certain point, everything um, that's running through your channels is really factoring in like all of your cost of goods sold, all of your cost of sales, and in large part, a lot of your advertising. The only thing at that point that's even showing up item by item on your credit cards would be things like your rent, your utilities, um, you know, maybe some Facebook ads and stuff like that. But the majority of the most important expenses are running through your channels. So to that point, um, as let's you define channels. Let's define the, the term channels because I don't think everyone's going to immediately uh, wrap their arms around that. What's an example of channels? Like what sort of things would fall under that designation? So channels would be any place where you are selling your product. So the, you have your marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and then you have your websites like Shopify, WooCommerce, BigCommerce. Um, and then you may have other channels like wholesale relationships where you're selling into other stores. Um, those are examples of channels. And one of the things that's unique about e-commerce businesses is they typically are selling across a lot of different channels. They might have, they might even have a brick and mortar store. Um, all of these people that they're, you know, selling through invoices, maybe even taking phone orders, but then they have websites and marketplaces and keeping all of that straight. That's what I mean by channels. Okay. And, and now, and yes, all important. And, and, you know, a lot of that can be tied together and that's 
where, you know, if you need to get a handle on your company's growth, you need to know that Clarinity can help you out. Um, scroll down, click the link in the show notes, go check out what they do. Um, now, at a rapidly growing business, this gets harder and harder to keep up with. Uh, one of the things that I've seen, I, I've seen people get themselves, there's, well, a couple of things. Um, well, tax. Uh, people largely don't understand tax, not only, and it's, it's not just your sales tax. It's also tax associated with the people that you may employ at your, uh, at your e-commerce business now. Um, and depend, and, you know, we've gotten to this very, uh, this globally distributed workforce that so many people are working in. I have employees in multiple States and multiple countries, and if you're selling things like you may need to collect tax, you may not like you have to do a whole lot of stuff with it. One thing I do know is that if you don't pay it, they're going to come take it. So uh, and more than you probably would have paid the first time. But I'd like to have a couple comments, not only on the, the sales tax, especially when it comes to selling across state lines. But there are a couple things that if you haven't had an employee before that you need to know that you have to pay taxes and they have to pay taxes. And if you end up with a bunch of employees, that four or five percent line item that you forgot can really add up. Right. So true. So we always refer to sales tax as like the fire that can burn your e-commerce business down. Because if you ignore sales tax and your business grows and grows and grows, the exposure and the liability that you face if you don't deal with it can become so exponential that it really can be a huge risk to your entire organization. So basically the rule of thumb that we use when we're guiding people on the tax journey is that if you're selling on marketplaces only, which would include things like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, um, then because of recent laws in all the states, they're called marketplace facilitator laws. In general, those marketplaces are responsible to collect and remit sales tax for you. So if you're marketplace only, then you kind of have some breathing room. But the minute you start selling on your own um, website, specifically Shopify, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, the game becomes completely different. At that point, you are responsible to collect and remit sales tax in the states where you have sales tax responsibility. And so um, because of the because of the way that sales tax works nowadays, you can go from having, I'm just going to use the word nexus. That's the right word to use. I hate to be accounting jargon on you, but basically meaning that that state requires you to collect sales tax in their state means that you have nexus in that state. And that means that if that state found you and they audited you, and they discovered that you should have been collecting sales tax in their state and they weren't, now you have a liability that you'd have to cough up. Um, what Matt was saying, they'd come after you with their with their big burly guys and their black coats and their, you know, their black suburbans and you're in big trouble kind of a thing. Um, that really starts happening when you have Nexus in those states. And so you need to understand how your business practices is impacting Nexus. And you need to understand the thresholds at which you start, you need to start getting serious about that in general. Like we tell people, if you're doing less than $100,000 a year in total sales, you just need to be collecting in the state where you have location, where you have locations like a warehouse here, um, where you have physical nexus. But as soon as you start growing, as soon as you start hitting about half a million dollars in sales tax, I mean, in sales, you probably have created nexus in additional states besides just the one that you reside in. And as soon as you hit a million dollars, if you're not getting serious about it, you're now in a lot of exposure. And as soon as you start to grow past the three or $4 million, 
you now probably have potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of sales tax exposure and liability that the, the funny thing about sales tax is if you just collected it at the time of the sell, it never has to come out of your pocket. But if you failed to collect it at the time of sell and then the state comes after you, now you have to cough it up out of your pocket. And that now impacts your profit. And that's money that is really comes out of your working capital and becomes a huge, like a huge pain point for you as a business owner. Versus if you just collected it at the time of sell and had a plan in place to remit it, it's a hassle and it's a pain, but it's not a risk to your business. You know, there's other things too that you need to know and consider is that at certain thresholds, both for payroll and sales tax and different stuff. Um, well, here in the state of Kansas, at one point, uh, you know, when you, we got over a X number of payroll amount and we were having to make two deposits a week. Oh yeah. And, 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 you know, so, and, and some of those things, and this is like, if you don't know that, Oh, right. And all of a sudden you're not compliant. Like now look, states and government, they're not always fast to catch up, but once you're on their radar, they're oh, not taking yeah. you off the radar. So like, yeah. and I've seen this, I've seen this, it just had conversations that hasn't happened to me firsthand, but you know, tax issues and tax problems and some of this stuff, uh, def, you know, just not getting it right or not, or not paying it. Um, is like you said, it can burn your business burn your down business and down. look, yep. and look, these are, these are, these are the people you don't want collecting money. Cause they'll just go take it right out of your account. Right. Like, and they can, and they can do, and that. they can do, and I that. say they right. meaning like the government and they, you essentially, when you sign up for a business and you register to run a business in your state or wherever you're at, like you're in many ways subjecting yourself to that kind of authority and, it is what it is. But, you know, one of the things that, and I mentioned getting behind that eight ball is like, if, you know, and that's, that's why they're collecting it a couple times a week. And if you start, if you're self-employed or you own a business, you end up having to pay quarterly taxes. A lot of people don't know that. So a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that. And then what happens is they go to file taxes. Now I did have this happen to me one year and my accountant says, Hey, uh, you owe $70,000. And like, think about that. Most people are like, man, I'm hoping to get my $800 refund. And your accountant's like, you owe 70 grand. Uh, painful, painful. Now that said, because I had an accountant that had a lot of experience that said, well, shit, that's, that's a lot. She said, yeah, but we can send them a letter and tell them we're going to give them a payment plan and, and just say that we're going to, you know, we, we, and we'll pay in quarterly. But the reason that they collect in those intervals is so you're never like, able to get this big lump sum. Now that said with cash flow management, and this is where e-commerce is tricky, especially if you're buying and selling product is like, you know, you're not always collecting the money right away. You got to have it. You got to have it. Or, the, you know, it's, if you start bouncing the ACH withdrawal and other stuff, like, look, long story short, don't make yourself low hanging fruit. And right. when you start bouncing payments and not filing stuff and, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, you, you get yourself on radars that you don't want to be on and scrutiny you don't, you don't want to embrace. Okay. So, um, you know, one thing that I think not many people that don't have experience in e-commerce don't, or just buying and selling stuff in general, don't understand is merchant fees and merchant fees are, I'm going to be honest. They're the, in my opinion, a halfway to criminal, because I don't get a service from Visa, MasterCard, and Amex the way that I would want, but they're going to take anywhere from two to three and a half percent of your sale. 
and that's their their quote merchant fee. Um, and I say that it feels halfway criminal because you're like, what do you do now? They do their thing and it's kind of in there, but I I've had an experience where I did some consulting. Now look, merchant fees, there's that's just the processing of credit cards. There's a hell of a lot of people out there that sell it and it's real, real competitive. So as your business grows, you can save a heck of a lot of money by understanding that the more you sell, the more they want your account, the more leverage you have. And in some cases, like, and, and ran into this before too, with a high volume uh, person is collecting money via PayPal. There's just little settings in there where, look, they're not going to give you the money for free, but if you go look and you know that they're there and you can click like rate review, or I can't remember what it is. It's like a setting in PayPal. And it's like, if you have, it's pretty well defined. If you're over X volume, they're going to give you a better rate. Now, if you get up to $10 million in sales, 1% is a lot, people. It's a lot. So you got to start looking for these little bits and pieces there. But most, a lot of people don't know merchant fees exist. And then we talked about payroll taxes. You, as an employer, you have to pay a percentage of uh, its, its employment tax. And I, I've, seen line, I've seen budgets ruined by people that didn't know that. And they, you know, they, cause they have a, they have a labor heavy something and that 4%, it's different in every state, you know, it's different in every state, but you're going to pay it. And that's not just the tax the employee pays. And then you also have other things too, like unemployment and, and different things that stack up to, it, I don't know what it is in Utah. It's anywhere from four to 7% here. But when you get into high volume, that starts to add up too. like, do you have any comments on the whole tax and and the whole merchant and tax thing. And like, yeah, I really do. And one of the things I want to like, it could be, it could be so terrifying to just think about all the things you don't know and all the ways it can bite you. So let me just say this, as far as protecting yourself from being bitten by things you don't know. Number one, if you're going to put people on payroll, I strongly recommend some sort of payroll tool that will take care of all of the risk points of it. So some examples of this would be like ADP or Gusto um, or QuickBooks Online. That, that's an, that's someone that owns an accounting service telling you that people right. like your accountant doesn't want to do your payroll stuff. By no, the way. and you account. don't want you don't want yeah. to rely on your accountant to make sure that they're on top of quarterlies and all that sort of stuff in this day and age. Like. Uh, we're in the process of doing a cleanup for a new client right now who had a accountant who was running their payroll through QuickBooks desktop with, with the payroll assist where the accountant still had to be responsible for quarterlies and stuff like that. They got behind on it. The money was never withheld. Um, huge problems, huge problems. If you set up with a tool like Gusto or ADP, Gusto is dirt cheap. So if you only have a couple of employees, it's just a really, really effective cost point. Then it allows you to just run your payroll. And then when they pull your payroll, they pull everything that needs to be pulled. And then they take care of all the back end quarterlies and all of the yearly end up reportings. And they just, you're not going to run into this problem if you set up with a payroll service. So that's the number one tip is if you're going to put people on payroll, use a payroll service that removes the risk for, from you. So that's number one. Number two, as far as the other things that will bite you, um, like Matt was talking about, uh, quarterlies. You need to have a relationship with the tax accountant. Um, you need to have someone who is proactive enough to be having conversations about things like quarterlies. Your tax accountant should be communicating with you on a quarterly basis, helping you identify what you need to be paying in quarterly taxes. 
so that at year end, there are no surprises. It's something that you've planned for and prepared for all year long. And hopefully at the end of the year, there's, there's no, there's no cash outlay that is overwhelming because you've been incrementally paying it as you go along. And then the sales tax situation, like take the time to get on top of the sales tax. We actually have a white paper on our website. Um, it's, it's like all the steps you need to go through to make sure you're tax compliant, everything from understanding where you have nexus all the way through setting up sales tax tools to getting registered with the States to, to understanding like how to manage the cadence of all of that. So take the time, do not let the sales tax situation get ahead of you because if it gets ahead of you, now you have exposure. If you stay ahead of it, you have some hassle, but you have no, like you're sleeping well at night, right? So those are the three things that I would say is use a sales tax. I mean, use a, use a payroll tool, have a relationship with a tax accountant, get ahead of the sales tax situation. And then you will not be burned down by any of these tax situations that come out of nowhere and surprise you. You, you've used the phrase burned down several times. Look, I want to point out that it's usually a spark that starts a much larger fire. And these are the things, like I said, that get, that really get people in a lot of hot water and it's, it's poor financial management. Um, There's a difference between true poor financial management and like kind of bad, like, you know, and and, and meaning one can actually be tracked and fixed. The other's like a daisy chain of like that box of receipt because you paid cash for everything and didn't denote what any of it was for. So, you know, and then also one of the things, and I, and I want to prevent people from, from hidden hell. uh, So merchant fees, and I complained about them. You can get to a point as well, where you're doing a, such a high volume of transactions that now your merchant processor wants to protect their own liable liability, and they will start to literally keep a percentage of every sale to basically build up an escrow account. In all right, so let's look. I, and I, this is not from firsthand example, but when COVID hit, how many people canceled travel plans? Right. And the thing is, is, is some, some of those businesses, including major airlines were like, Hey, we don't have all this money right now. And so therefore what happens is you get a chargeback and the chargeback is a credit card dispute. And this is what uh, upsets me about merchant fees, to be honest, because in the past I, I, now the chargebacks eight years ago were terrible. Like meaning like, especially for e-commerce, because you didn't collect a signature. So if you weren't collecting a signature, the credit card, you pretty much lost every time. And people knew that there were people out there that were committing that kind of it's fraud. Basically, they would buy stuff knowing they were going to charge it back, knowing that the rules at Amex or wherever said that if they didn't have a signature, you weren't going to prove it. This is why Amazon takes a picture of your package when they drop it off on your porch. And it comes that they're not just like, hey, your package is there. By the way, it's by the front door where it always is. It's part of that is them saying, oh, yeah, it was there. Because think about that. They're like, oh, my package isn't there. Send another one. So, you know, but but that uh, that you, I've had that happen to me with a merchant account. And they wanted to keep 20% of every single sale until we got to 100K and backup. And I and, you know, honestly, I told them to pound sand. And I found a new processor that not only gave me a better rate, but guaranteed me that wasn't going to occur. So thank you to the first people felt like a pain in the ass, but I just went to find a solution. Okay, so there's another thing. And this is a broad, you know, we're and we're getting 
near the end of, of, of part two of the series, which once again, the, the folks over at Clear Entity, and that's that's spelled like clear, C-L-E-A-R-I-N-I-T-Y.com. You can check out the show notes. And you know, these are people that they're, they're sponsoring these this four-part series. Well, A, they'd like you to give them a call. So why not? Uh, hear what, about what they have to do. There's, you know, this conversation with Brittany is really refreshing my own uh, fear of how many unknowns that are out there. And look, if you're trying to build a business that's bigger than you, then you you're going to need help. You're not going to be able to do it all yourself. And companies like Clarity are there to help. That's I really love that that I mean they do everything from cloud inventory management, tech um, implementation optimizing e-commerce operations and creating a, a, just a general like standard SOP, standard operating procedures. Now, and that's kind of what I want to get into because um, I, all right, don't make assumptions. Uh, people often start a business and they, because of what occurred in the first couple months, they are now making assumptions for the life cycle of the business. And there are certain things like shipping, Okay, shipping a product, which is in the in the age of prime, has largely become now something the seller or the, the like whoever's selling it is paying for. But in some cases, they you know you could say, hey, uh, we're assuming that it's we're collecting twenty dollars an order for shipping, and assuming that that covers it, or maybe that you're making money. Now you pro you might not be, maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but some of those are just simple adjustments like enter your zip code and here's the shipping. Um, basic assumptions about the way that you're doing business or uh, just any of that are dangerous and, and accountants won't let you make, well, okay. They will, they will help you attempt to make future assumptions. They will not let you make past assumptions because that doesn't, if your account, if your accountant says, well, I, I think that yeah, this, the book's probably balanced. I mean, that, that would be a kind of a, uh, you, you shouldn't be making the assumption that they know what they're doing, but I think little assumptions and things in the business, in your business can once again, burn it down. I mentioned like shipping, like shipping rates fluctuate often, like it depends on, on what's going on, fuel prices, different stuff like that demands on the supply chain. And then another thing too, is as your business grows much like merchant or any other fees, you have some leveraging power. You have the ability to, you know, go out and, and do different stuff. Now, one thing, and we've had a past episode, uh, and gosh, of course, I'm going to space the name of the business, uh, Russ Lenmark, uh, Veriship. Uh, so uh, th certain things guarantee that, that you, you buy two-day shipping. That was, a that was a founder that had invented a platform because he said, do you realize that 20% of two-day shipping labels don't actually make it there in two days. So for example, that kind of assumption, you're assuming that it does. Well, guess what? You don't have to pay for the label if that's the case. And there's just like little things out there. So you're making this assumption. Now at my former e-commerce business, we would send out, oh, I don't know, a hundred FedExes a day. So if 20% of them were resulting in some kind of refund, oh my you know, like, or a discount and just different assumptions around those things are really a bad thing. What have you run into with bad assumptions that someone should avoid? Well, uh, and I, and I like how you pointed out that the job of the accountant is to not let you get away with assumptions. Like 
it, really the purpose of accounting is to provide crystal clear insight into what is really happening with your business. You should be able to answer questions like, am I paying more in shipping than I'm actually collecting in shipping? Like, am I, is my business profitable? If I'm losing money, at what point am I losing money at? The biggest thing we see people do is lose sight of what's happening within their business from a financial perspective. And that's why I talk about the roadmap being so important because initially your business is small enough that it's easy to kind of keep your head wrapped around it, but it will get away from you quickly. And if you haven't stayed ahead of it, then that's where you start to run into issues. So um, some of the assumptions we see people make is things like, well, like the, the age old one that we see is like, oh, whatever money Amazon is depositing to my bank account is sales. Well, it's not. It's actually all of these other things. And if you're not breaking it out, then you're making assumptions that those expenses are not important, that, that you don't need to see how much Amazon is really charging you to be your 3PL. And as you as your business starts to grow and as you start to lose a little money here and lose a little money there and lose a little money there, suddenly you go from a position where you were really profitable and you were doing really well and suddenly you're not profitable anymore and you don't know why. And you don't know why because you haven't been watching month by month. You don't know why because you haven't been breaking out the information in a way that actually gives you insight and transparency. And so as, as things start to shift, um, you don't have your eyeballs on it. You're not watching it. and Accounting should not only be like this wonderful way of seeing what's happened, but a wonderful way of being able to also predict what will happen in the future. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, and you should be able to. That's like, where assumptions can occur. That's right. where assumptions can occur because you have an actual past history. And that, you know, that's so much of, of what we're going to talk about uh, in episode four related to leadership skills for e-commerce teams, because I have clearly outlined that le e-commerce leaders have to be data centric and have yeah. to be able to understand that X amount of this equals Y amount of that. And those are assumptions you can begin to predict. And, and you know, another thing too, is if your business grows, especially if you're a product company, at some point you're going to need some kind of, you may need some kind of third party finance or something like that. It, look, if you want to feel heartbreak, and I have been down this road before, wait till you need money and then they want to see something and your books aren't the way that it needs to be. Accountants are yes and no people. Ch challenge them. Like they don't, they know yes or no. It's It balances or it doesn't. There's not a maybe. And it, and I love the zeros and ones side of that. Look, you can't be kind of pregnant. Right. That isn't that isn't a thing. You you are or you aren't. And it's the same way. Like your books are up to date and they balance and they're good or they're not. Right. Um, yeah. And and these and these are very universal principles that have, in many cases, the the fundamentals of them have existed and been right for thousands of years. And those are the kind of things like like I said, if you go to well, all right. So we talk about cash flow, and so much of this will become about cash flow if your business grows quickly. But if you can't manage and wrap your arms around that, you're in big trouble. So what happens with some businesses that don't understand the life cycle of their cash, that means that going out and coming back in is you, okay, you won't, you might, I chose to pause things to untangle rubber bands. You might be forced to, and nothing is more painful than that. Like just literally missed opportunities. And that's something that is not easy to define because they come and go and you're like, shit. I don't know what to do next. So uh, now we're, 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 our time's about up here and, you know, once we can go on and on, especially about the things not to do. Um, 
you know, with me again today is Brittany Brown, the founder and CEO of Ledger Gurus. You can go to ledgergurus.com to learn more about what they do and what, and while you're out there on the internet learning about e-commerce and, and, and leaving a nice review for this episode as well. I also want you to stop by Clarinity's website. It's C-L-E-A-R-I-N-I-T-Y.com. It's in the show notes. I want you to stick around and stay tuned for the other episodes that we have coming up. Uh, all meant, all planned very carefully to feed into the other and help you learn about a lot of this. There's so much, there's so much people. Now, look, I learned most of this stuff myself on Google, right? I mean, it's so much of it. I've dropped out of five colleges. You don't have to, I really have, by the way. And, you know, the thing is, is it doesn't mean I couldn't learn. You got to either go out and learn it, or you got to find someone that already knows it. And I will tell you right now, if it's not with this kind of stuff, if it's not something you, you already know, something you already understand or something you're certified to do, you are just so much better to go find someone that knows it because the, it, the volumes and volumes and volumes of tax and business and, and legal code and all this stuff, you're never going to keep up with it. It shouldn't, that's, it, 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 it's not, it, there's this is the one thing that I love outsourcing at my business because it just find other experts that get it and understand it. And, you know, like overall, and, and, you know, and once again, reach out for some help, look for companies like Clarinity and there's, you know, just like figure it out. Just don't get too far behind it. Uh, I want to give you a, a brief moment to, is there anything you'd like to say uh, on the way out or any, any golden rule advice that we may have forgot? Yeah, there's there's really a couple of things I want you guys to keep in mind. And it is that every question of your business in many ways always comes back to a financial question. The question of, can I afford to do this? What should I be doing? Will I run out of cash before the end of this next busy season? Like everything, every question you really need to be empowered with as a leader or as a founder within your business comes back to the financial. So I know that it's scary and I know that people want to shy away from this, but if you can like push through it and learn to speak the language of the accounting, you will understand every aspect of your business so much better. And if you've run a business before and you're new to the e-commerce space, then there's three things that are really different about accounting in the e-commerce space that you really need to spend some time either getting ahead of, or you need to find an accountant who understands it. And that is the channel activity. Um, you need to be able to really understand how to go into the channels and see what's really happening there. Number two, you've really got to get a handle on inventory, which is where, which was where Clinity comes in. Uh, we've worked with them quite a bit on helping our clients sort out the um, cost of goods sold inventory space, but it's so critical if you're a product-based business, you have to understand your most important cost, which is your cost of goods sold. And last of all, don't let the sales tax situation get ahead of you. Those three things are different if this is your first time to an e-commerce business. And if you're new to business in general, like lean into the experience of learning how to decipher your financials. Nothing will empower you more as a business owner than being able to speak in that space with confidence. I appreciate the input. That's all really good advice. And I realize I got some work to do. So I'm going to catch up with you next time. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
we do it.